Well, is it finally time for parents to stop poisoning the minds of the children of the Unified School District here in Los Angeles or elsewhere around the country for that matter? In other words, folks, when it comes to education, do parents have a right to say, we don't like what's going into your kid's head? Who do the kids belong to anyway? Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott, and we would urge you to hit that like button because it matters. Uh, gentlemen, there's almost like starting to reach a critical mass now of something that we started to see for months and months ago with parents getting more and more upset. We get some sort of, uh, you know, hidden camera footage of somebody talking about, I'm an open communist and I've got two years to turn these children into open communists. And then the parents come down and, and then they're d labeled domestic. We've seen the whole, we've seen the whole thing, but clearly something is happening now. Clearly parents are starting to realize that what has been going on has been absolutely horrible and destructive for kids. And let's not forget, by the way, the damage that is only now beginning to become visible from two years of lockdowns, mask mandates, canceled schools. Kids are, are, are missing out on proms. Their, their, their psychological well-being has really been damaged. Uh, people say that these kids now expect to be disappointed. They've had this canceled, then this canceled, then this canceled. You hear stories about, uh, you know, teenage girls coming to school feeling guilty because they didn't wear a mask on a certain occasion and maybe that ended up killing somebody and so on and so on and so on. So look, the public school system is not working at all. And everybody knows it. And there's a getting to be now an actual war between the parents and the teachers. And I think you can sum this up the most from, uh, looks like it was a tweet where basically uh, an Iowa teacher uh, said, if it weren't for teachers, more kids would turn out like their parents. Scott, is that a, is that the worst thing that could happen? Uh, that, 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 that a kid would turn out like his parents? Uh, let me just say it this way. I didn't, I wasn't raised by my parents. I was raised by my grandparents and I went to the public schools in a rural area and um, I don't blame the schools, but I do wish I had turned out to be a lot more like my grandparents. <laughs> well, you're enough like your grandparents, because you've told us that story, you're enough like your grandparents for me to know that your grandparents would have been happy with how you turned out, but that's not what's going on now. Yeah. Well, I, I think there are a, a number of phenomena going on here. First of all is the delusion on the right that somehow this massive bureaucratic enterprise that is trying to sing out of the same hymnal across the country that gets 25% or more of its funding from the federal government and so therefore is compelled to dance to the tune of some remote officers in a distant capital city, uh, that somehow that's going to be functional. Uh, you know, you, you've learned in business, if you've been part of any business, that you can't really run a corporation at a distance like that and expect that people will behave appropriately or expect to achieve outstanding results. Um, the American school system that came up from a largely agrarian society in relatively small communities where people attended relatively small schools with mixed age classrooms where people from, you know, six years old to, schoolhouse, to yep. 15 years old were all in the same classroom, that seems so quaint and infantile to us now. But by golly, we might want to get some of that back because there were a couple of good things about that. And number one was the accountability. Uh, number two was the ability to know your classmates. There is a phenomenon that happens when you multiply the number of chickens in a poultry barn that eventually they become violent to the point where they will literally peck each other to death and eat each other. Chickens that are concentrated in large clusters become cannibalistic. Um, and farmers have tried to come up with all kinds of ways 
ways of minimizing that while still maintaining the giant concentrations. When I drive by some of these large brick high school buildings with fences around them in many cases, to yeah. me, I hear the term penitentiary. It looks like a penitentiary. <laughs> it's almost indistinguishable from a large holding facility that's designed for criminals. The laws that you have to put in place, the rules that you have to abide by, the ways that you have to structure things when you've got 1,200, 1,500, 3,000 people walking around in the same building during the course of the day, mitigate against a learning atmosphere and create a different kind of vibe that, that fights education, frankly. And so if you're sending your kids to one of these giant penitentiary schools, then I don't think you should show up at the school board meeting and say, hey, I expect things to be uh, small scale accountable here in this giant large scale uh, operation. It's just not going to happen. I mean, maybe you wish it could be and maybe you could get elected to the school board and, and somehow break up the structure of it so that within that giant building with all those people, you can make it feel more like small schools. But I mean, this is embarrassing to say, but in this country, in many ways, we have screwed up our educational system for the sake of high school football. I mean, we say it's so that we can get microscopes and swimming pools and things like that. But in reality, these large school districts coming together can then have a broader base from which to draw the most excellent football players. And we would never want to sacrifice that. And I live in, you know, in football Valhalla here in Texas, where a couple of local school districts have spent in the neighborhood of 50 to $75 million to build football stadiums for which they went out and floated bond issues to get taxpayers to fund this. And this is considered to be somehow part of education. I, I, My grandfather, who I don't think actually finished high school, was much smarter than me for his entire life, much more engaged in learning than the average person I ever meet. And he went to one of these little schools. And in his case, he was in the outskirts of Philadelphia at that time, Roxborough, which was not as, as uh, urban as it is now. Um, he lived on a dairy farm in Roxborough and went to a very small school. And I'm not saying go backward in time and, and change all that we've learned in the meantime. I'm just saying, don't throw away what worked and replace it with something that clearly everybody knows can't work. Yeah, so basically you're saying a system that's designed to have $75 million high school football stadiums is not a system that's going to look at each individual student as a, as a, as a, as a priceless uh, Correct. being and so on. Uh, Steve, let's go to you for a second. As, as uh, Scott Ott has reported, cannibalism in public schools now is rampant. And, um, <laughs> There's hardly any cannibalism <laughs> in the public schools. <laughs> mostly a problem Especially the among the fighting chickens of uh, <laughs> Texas. But you but honestly, things are so bad that it's 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 one of these things where if I heard about it, I would say, well, I didn't fall out of my chair. Um, so, so here's the problem, Steve. The problem is parents have a right to be upset about this. They have a right to be upset about critical race theory. They have a right to be extremely upset about the fact that that, that the institutions of, of, of teachers with the unions and all the rest of it are teaching their kids they should be ashamed of themselves for things that they didn't even know about, let alone that they weren't there to witness and so on and so on. And so we, we all know that whole story. But the problem has been, well, what do you do about it? And right now on the table, there are really only two options. One of them is homeschooling and the other one is charter schools. But the problem with charter schools is schools, charter schools then get out into the same kind of regulatory world that everything else is 
gummed up in. You got to get all these approvals and all, you know. So homeschooling seems like the answer. It's relatively simple. But the problem with that, of course, is not even so much that the parents can't teach. It's just that parents can't teach their kids and do other things as well. That's a that's a full time job. It really is. I have a, a feeling, a, a theory personally, Steve, that, that one of the great, I mean, really, really big money things that somebody could do in this country would be to start a homeschooling franchise that basically standardized all of this stuff, taught you exactly how to do it. Kind of the way that, you know, McDonald's is like, I want to open a McDonald's. All right. McDonald's says, here you go. We're going to send you the frozen fries. Here's your sign. Here's this. Here's how it works and so on. Not saying we should make a bunch of McSchools, but a bunch of, you know, school fillets may not be such a bad idea. <laughs> right. And and that kind of dovetails with the uh, thought I was having while Scott was speaking. And that is our <sighs> there are two charts that I've seen in the last few years that, that really blew my mind. One was a chart of uh, the number of doctors per thousands of Americans, which is a line that, that wiggles a little bit. It has some very slight ups and downs, basically a straight line. And the amount of money spent by each American on healthcare, which just goes like this. And if you track this, there's a third line, which is the number of administrators. Hmm. Admit the num- they're not practicing medicine. They're not delivering drugs to people. They're not doing anything but administering because we've got so much paperwork because of all the federal government tendrils uh, that are woven throughout uh, – one-sixth of the U.S. economy. And it's a similar thing with education. Spending per pupil has gone like this. Mm-hmm. Classroom sizes is kind of this, this wiggly line at the bottom. And administration, boom, just so, so much administration. And it occurs to me now I'm probably doing that backwards, but it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, for our viewers, I mean. Uh, the point of this is the money is going to the people who don't teach, but who oftentimes have uh, political agendas. And what I would love to see is we're never going to go back to the one room farmhouse schoolrooms of our uh, rural yesteryears. But what I would love to see is a system where there is no school, whether it is uh, kindergarten or high school, that a kid can't walk to in the snow. Uphill both ways, of course. But (laughs) to break up these huge schools, screw the football programs. If schools want to band together after hours to create bigger football programs, let them do that. But smaller schools, neighborhood schools. Steve? Yes, Scott. What you just said just occurred to me that the bigger the high school, the fewer kids get to play football. That's true. That's (laughs) absolutely true. Very good point. Subtle point. I love that. Shrink these schools down. Seriously, if a kid can't get there on foot in 15 minutes, the school is too far away, open another school. Um, and and you pay for it by eliminating the administrators you no longer need for these huge amalgamations of schools. And frankly, we don't need anyway right now. The other thing is very few things annoy me or anger me, I should say, more than bureaucrats, no matter what level, putting themselves in between me and my sons. That's, That's what authoritarian it. states do. Um, and whether they're, 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 they think they're doing the right thing, the noble thing, if they're just following the system, you know, following orders, whatever, I don't care. Listen, uh, I was raised in a family business. My dad and my grandfather were business partners. There was a lot of pressure on me, of course, as a kid to, to follow in their footsteps. And I, I wouldn't. I always had to do things my way. Maybe it was stupider. It was usually harder. But 
it's mine. I've only got so many years on this earth. I want to live my life. And I've had this conversation with my own sons who are 16 and 11 now that the world's already had a Steve Green. I want to see what you guys can do. And my job as a parent is to try and help you. Uh, well, to, number one, to, to, to try and give you the tools you need to be the best you you can be. And the other thing is to give you the skills you need and the character you need to be a success at whatever it is you, you decide to pursue. And what I worry is if a school, if a teacher thinks it's their job to keep my kids from being like me, what they're really saying is they don't think I should be allowed to pass on my character to them. The one thing that I got from my dad and his dad. Precisely correct. You should not be allowed to pass on your characters and values because the teachers made a decision based on their conversations with other elitists that these values are values that we don't want anymore. And so they're going to basically cut the connection between the parents and the students and raise a whole new generation of students who are we're basically woke and extremely left-leaning, and, and, and they can be the new socialist men and women of tomorrow, and we'll see how that works out as if we don't already know. The uh, the business about getting smaller schools and stuff is brilliant. If, if my graduating class of seniors had maybe seven seniors instead of 750, I would have had a good chance on the football team, uh, but but I didn't. So so that's so that's an idea. The The entire issue really is does a parent have a right to expect that their kids are going to come back from school not hating the parents? Hmm. That's really what it comes down to. And more and more of this trouble and the reason this is becoming so and so frothy and, and really coming to a head now is because more and more parents are having their kids come home and realize that they've just sent their kids someplace to teach them how to hate them and everything they believe in. Now, Needless to say, I know which side I'm on on this issue, but I'm not kidding about this idea of a of a of a homeschool franchise kit. To me, this is the this is the exact solution of doing exactly what we just talked about here, where you basically instead of having 700 a thousand kids, you've got 60 70 kids in a neighborhood. You've got the you've got the standardized packages. You've got the you've got the people who can administer these these different grade levels, and most importantly of all, if if I was running that franchise, I would say not only is a student allowed to record what we teach in these in these uh, lessons? Uh, we insist on it. We yeah. insist on it. We insist we will have a webcam up in the corner and any parent at any time can just drop in on the internet and watch this biology class from start to finish. That kind of transparency, that kind of depoliticizing schools would not only get all of this poison out of the system, it would then give parents a, a realistic sense of what they are getting for their time and money and their and their entire future. Can this person teach? Yes or no? Seems like a no-brainer to me, but a lot of stuff it seems like no-brainers to me out there. It turns out are brainers after all. We'll see. Don't forget to hit that like button. It's really important for Steve Green and Scott Out. We'll see you next time right here on Right Up. <laughs>